Hello! Hi! And welcome <laughs> to p- p- Praise Dionysus! Praise him! Praise him! Oh, oh yes! Oh, yeah. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yep. Uh, to everyone else in the club stopped and you kept singing. I kept singing. <laughs> I'm into this song. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Footballers Are a Godsend by Samuel Roberts. Darling Boy by Rupert Bevan, An Unknown Song by Kevin McGreal, and Puppycock by Six Inches Uncut. Well done. Very excited. This is all part of Fringe in the Willows. Ally McFringe. Instead of Ally McBeal. No, I got got that. Yes. Uh, Mama Fringer 2, Here We Fringe Again. Oh, please. Oh, Oh, that'll do, Pig. That'll do, Pig. That'll fringe. Hi, Jake. <laughs> um, hello, everybody. Hi, Hi, everyone. Hi. Oh, my God. Thank you for listening. Uh, once again, we're just sitting in a room, have been for a few hours now, and we're just talking about theatre. Talking about the Fringe Festival specifically. Fringe me up. Fringe you Scotty. up. Biscotti. Scotty. Fringe me up, Scotty. Fringe it's, me up, Biscotti. Do you reckon Ooh. that is like, if a nerd opened a bakery, that's what they would call one of their... Biscottis? You absolutely could. I think there's what well, you could have like that's no moon, and it's like a beautiful little Death Star biscuit. Is that? Does someone say that about the Death Star? Yeah, they say that's no moon, and it's like a big Death Star. Because the Death Star is the big scary grey circle. It is scary how often we talk about Star Wars here. Do you think that I'm the one gearing, like steering us in that direction? You kind of did this time. No, I didn't. Yeah, you said nerd sci-fi that sparked this. Yeah, see how that spark only exists in your mind. So what have we done? What have we done? We've gone to a barn meary. We yes. Yes, we barmied ourselves. We did. We walked by the ice creamery. Jake is, in, Jake is in love with some of the works in the ice creamery. We have not spoken. <laughs> no, he doesn't know you exist. His work uniform has pastel colours on it. It does, and he serves ice cream. Oh my god, one of the most romantic jobs you can have. Really? Yes. What about gondola steerer? Oh, gondolier. Oh, that's, the yeah, that's part a throwback. Of I, that's part of why I know Connor Dariel. Connor Dariel. Connor, I pay attention. Oh, Gorgonzola the gondolier. Oh, that's... That's still really good. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was good. We got by me, got potato cakes. Sure did. No regrets there. No regrets. I had mine on the walk. Jake had his here just to give you the loop. You love a walk and tatey. I love a walk and tatey cake. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <laughs> and now we're back and we're ready to talk about more theatre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it was a good little little break for us. That good break. That hour or so. <laughs> how, would you rate, how would you rate your hour or so? Um, well, I saw the ice cream man, but we did not speak to each other. So, so nothing has changed. <laughs> so the reality continues to be the shape it was in. Uh-huh. Um, otherwise, what else happened? I really like the women working at the Barn Miri. They're mm. fantastic. So I'll give them as people nothing because it seems dark to rate people yeah, like I was about that. To, <laughs> why did you stop there? Let <laughs> me give the Barn Mia rating. Um, I'm going to give it 15 stars because that's how many dollars I spent at the Barn Miri. That's amazing. I spent, guys, I spent $9.50. I got a full tofu roll bun me and a potato cake. That's insane. Yeah, you guys. That's quality. Get out my, there. Go to my local Vietnamese bakery. Get out there. You know the one. <laughs> um, I would rate, I saw, we saw on the way back, we saw a hot dad playing basketball. We did. There's this basketball court that every time we go past, there's at least there's one hot, hot person in there. Yeah, and we're heading into the time of year where they'll be shirtless. Oh, hear that? Oh, James yes. is sopping wet, ready for shirtless sopping basketball summer. Sopping wet. <laughs> uh, so I would give it a, like a big, <laughs> like a big 69 bawooga bawooga out of five. <laughs> is what I, what I give. It's actually going to be a star rating, James, not bawooga. Nah, I give him 69 bawoogas. <laughs> 
Hello, James. You can't start every <laughs> segment like that. You just can't. Why? I'm turning into Susan Sarandon playing a villain. Ooh, when does she play a villain? Uh, in Enchanted? Is she in, in Enchanted? Isn't she the like the prince's mother? Doesn't she turn into that dragon? You know I don't know. But that's amazing. I only know Susan Sarandon from like... Stepmom. Wasn't she in Rocky Horror? She was also in Rocky yeah, Horror. Yeah, that's the one that I know her from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, okay. yeah. Ah, so I went to see. Oh. Yeah, I went to see a show. It was in the Fringe Festival. Yeah, we know. We know. We know. Yes. We, we're all here. Samuel Roberts put on a show. Great. It was called Footballers Are a Godsend. Sounds like a lie. Do you not think footballers are a godsend? I think no. No. No, I think footballers are fine. Okay. But they're not a godsend. I okay. We'll find out. Well, Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Uh, perhaps. Yeah, we'll dig into that later. Um, directed by Tom Costigan, which yeah. I didn't realise oh. until I was there. Why are you squinting that like that? name just rings a bell. Tom Costigan, you were in a development with him once? Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, beautiful Tom directs. Great. So file that knowledge away. That's fun news. Um, yeah. So yeah, one man show. It's a cabaret. Um, oh. What? Sorry. Just, we, ha- we haven't seen enough one man cabarets now, friend. Just mostly been like... Big plays or two-handers. I thought you were being facetious. No, no, I'm genuinely excited because I also have a cabaret to talk about. I just think we haven't seen enough of them yet. Oh, great. So go on. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, so it's essentially about, yeah, Sam telling sort of the true story of his coming out, him being a footballer from like a country town and him discovering his gayness and then talking about his experience towards that coming outery and his current state of happiness question mark. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, Yeah, is the idea. Um... Yeah, anything that leaps out of you immediately? Uh, footballers are a godsend. Why is it called footballers is a godsend? Um, footballers are a godsend. I don't know maths. Because part of the premise of the show is God wants Sam to find the first gay AFL footballer. Oh! And it could be him. Or not. So, <laughs> hold on. So, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a super strong link, but that's how God features. So, so he, he genuinely... <laughs> He genuinely believes that God has told him to do this? I love this face you're making where it's like you're about to go into it, like an atheistic tirade. No, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm not. I just... I'm, is that, I do is not that believe that across? Sam really thinks God ever spoke to him. Sure. Okay. As, That's like, what instig- it sounds like an, when you said it. Sure. An instigating element of the content of the show is God being like, Sam! <laughs> God's very spooky. God's very spooky. <laughs> God's a spooky person. Uh... Uh, Jake's busy laughing, so I'll do my own impression of Spooky God. Oh, I'm God! Ooh! Is this the content you wanted? Are you Why glad you're listening to this? talk like that? Ah, because we all decided that they have a warble, I guess. What? If you were a ghost trying to... Unless they're trying to scare us. Um, okay, if you were trying to scare someone, would you go like... Oh! Or would you go... Bah! Like, you know, like, there are better options to scare people. And you're already a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, true. People don't look at you and go, hmm. <laughs> Let me hear how you sound when you speak before I decide if I'm scared of you. So Spooky God told this man to find the next gay Australian footballer. Yes. I like it. Yeah. I think that in itself is a great premise. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then sort of, yeah, walked us through his experience. There was, but, yeah, no. So, yeah, it was just like, cool. Like, of course, anytime anyone tells a story about gayness, I am there. Yes, you are I'm there front red and center. Red hot, red. Yes, please. <laughs> Um, part of it was his, like, coming out story. Do you have any strong feelings about that? Ooh, strong feeling. I guess I would argue that any coming out story, just like any story, is valid and interesting if you make it valid and interesting. Mm -hmm. If you can tell it in a way that is worthwhile. I think there's lots of coming out stories that are, at face value, not necessarily super, like, 
making for wonderful big theatre. Like, mine's not necessarily very interesting. It was just easy. Sure. Um, but I think if you found the right angle, I think any any of them could be turned into a vehicle for something more. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'd have to be more? Not necessarily. I think if, if it was an interesting enough story in itself, you could, why not do that? <laughs> And Sam has brought this up with me. Okay. There was a ser- there was a sincerity stool. Yes! Yes. We you... love a sincerity stool. Oh my god. So sincerity stool is anytime someone wants to tell a sincere and heartfelt emotional story on stage, especially in like a one-man cabaret. It's when they bring on a goddamn stool and they sit on that stool. Yes, they do. Oh, and they look at you and they say, I'm gonna take it down a bit. Oh my god, it's even better when there's a lighting change as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yep. So Sincerity Stool was in play. Yes. That's how you know it's good art. <laughs> um, he also talked about um, there being two very distinct events, one being um, losing gay virginity and losing straight virginity. Sure. I mean, okay. I've never lost my straight virginity. Neither. Golden. <laughs> but yeah, um, there was a nice that's moment. He described having. Is that interesting? I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think I'm. Um, I do, yeah. You do, about straight virginity. Straight virginity versus gay virginity. I think that's, even just the way that that's phrased is interesting. I think it's sort of like... What do you consider... Well, that's the thing. Where do you draw that line? Which line are you thinking about? I'm thinking, like, is gay virginity, in in the eyes of this man telling the story, is gay virginity, like, having sex with a man, and straight virginity is having sex with a woman? Because that, is that what he's saying? Well, yes, but also, like, bring it back even further. Like, what is losing what is your virginity? What is the sex, yeah. To you. To me, uh, just any sort of sex, really. Like, what does that mean? Doesn't need to be penetrative, doesn't need to be anything. I think virginity... Like, you know sex when you know it. It's it's one of those things where the more and more you try and chase it down and nail it down, the more and more nebulous it becomes. Because if it's just penetrative, there are so many virgin lesbians who have sex all the time. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So that's why I don't think that's what it is. Mm. Well, that's not the reason, but that's one of the reasons. <laughs> I love lesbians, you know? Um, I do love lesbians. Um, that's good. I'm glad you got serious for a second. I just want everyone to know, hey, if you're a lesbian and you're listening... You're an ally. I love you. <laughs> um, yeah, why? What do, you, do you have any distinct thoughts about that? No, no. I, I, I think the, yeah, the same thing in my mind is... yeah. It's... It just feels more and more stupid to try and pin a thing on it. Well, I think we almost need to just kill out the concept of virginity well, exactly. in the first place. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think many people would agree with that, really. Yeah. Um... That's why it sort of felt a bit jarring to hear straight virginity and gay virginity. Oh, <laughs> sure. But I can see how they okay. certainly exist as, like, of course, and also someone that's grown up before right now, Sam being a person that be- like, very understandably belongs to the same generation as us in terms mm. of, like, th- like virginity is a thing that is culturally considered to be a thing that you at yep. one point lose, probably. Yep. Um, so I didn't expect to be talking about virginity. Yeah, well, we spoke no. about sperm in the last one. We did. Oh, God. <laughs> Meaty sperm. Meaty sperm. Beefy sperm. Beefy sperm. My um, mistake. Yeah, no. But yeah, oh my god, the sooner that we can eradicate the concept of virginity. Yeah, the sooner we can eradicate the concept of most things, really. Most things? You want no concepts. Well, no concepts! You I want us to just sky be people. Thinking. Yes. Just people. Just hey, Just be people. And can't you imagine how much easier it would be to just be people if we just had like like 12 friends living in a field. Living in a field. No internet. No more, no groups bigger than 100 people. We would just follow each other's rules. Mm. We'd just know each other. We yep. would help each other become better people and we'd just have a functional society. So if you want to join our commune we're forming, right in. Said, I'm glad you said commune and not cult. <laughs> Which I I'm mean, also open to. The, well, there we go. There the right person's at the front of it, and if not, uniforms are good. What if I grew a really big beard? Do you think I could be a cult leader? I think that that's all you're lacking, I think. Huh. <laughs> um, there was this beautiful thing that he brought up, which is, like, I, I think, a larger theme that I'm interested to hear what, if you have any thoughts on. 
Um, he, he talked about telling his football friends that mm. he was gay mm. and then them all being really supportive and them like cheering about it and one of the players was like, this is the best day ever. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. So nice. Maybe my favourite sentence in the whole show. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was interesting the way that he yeah, they unpacked that a little bit and being like sort of jokingly saying that he wished that at some point during his coming out journey he could have been disowned by somebody. Yes! You know, like yes. craving that type of drama. And that I, type of like... I very much know that feeling. You know yes. that feeling? Yeah, like I said, my coming out was very lucky and blessed and easy. Mm. Like there was never, I never ever had any issues. Uh, which is great and that's what it should always be. But there is that little part of you that's like, oh, I'd love to have some sort of like... I was, I don't know, like... Cast out and... Said it like I don't know, just for the sake of the drama. <laughs> Obviously, terrible thing, and would never actually want it to happen. But to have a coming out story that's so boring and accepting is a very very good. B boring. 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 My coming out story is everyone just sort of going okay, like that's it. Sure. I have nothing more than that. And it's just a thirst for drama. That it's literally you. just the thirst for drama. Yep. So it wasn't about like validating some sort of sense of oppression. It wasn't about you wanting it to marry up to the amount of anxiety you had surrounding the feeling. I haven't really thought about it that deeply, but oh, maybe okay. that is where some of it stems from. Sure. Um, Does any part of you, did any part of you, I know that you haven't thought about these things, mm. think that you, because of potentially media you'd consumed, believe that you were entitled to some sort of traumatic tale that you could then in some way commodify? I think, I think yeah, there's definitely sort of feeling like, even though I know that my coming out was very easy, it's difficult to do, so there is a part of me that's sort of like, yeah, coming out was like one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Like, mm. And there is that sort of sense of, this is a really hard thing and it's a really big core element of who I am. But in reality, it wasn't hard. It was so easy for me. Well, in reality, it was hard if you felt like it was hard. Yeah. But then it didn't, like, the reality didn't it, mirror up to... Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, it was hard to do it, but then, like, there was no no reason for me to actually be stressed or upset. Right. Like, really. Like, on the other side of it, it was like, oh, I worried for nothing. Sure. Sure, but that doesn't invalidate the fear. No, or no, I suppose not. Thanks, Jake. I'm very courageous. Uh-huh. Um... Why? How was your, how was your coming well, out? Almost in the way of like, it's scary to go skydiving because you might fall and die. And then just because you land softly doesn't mean it wasn't brave of you to jump out of the plane. Yeah, that's true. How was your coming out? Uh, it was a mixed bag of things. Oh. <laughs> oh. But yeah, but like most of, like there wasn't any, at least not to my face, there wasn't any like full-fledged like rejection, you're disgusting, you heathen, get out. Good. <laughs> from anybody but there was plenty of like traumatic stuff that encircled like encircled the entire thing oh sure okay but that was more more complicated than yeah no so there's plenty of negative stuff surrounding you have enough enough drama and I certainly wasn't lacking drama yeah that's good (laughs) that's that's what I want you see but even isn't that interesting like and this is a very like I'd say a very contemporary cultural phenomenon is people like envying the trauma of others oh yeah oh yeah that's such a real thing yeah. yeah and I in the next show, I will touch on this more. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I don't want to get too into it now. No, great, no, don't blow your load now. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, during the show, again, the music in the show was really lovely and it was really cool hearing because I've only ever spoken to Sam. He's never sung to me before. Yeah. So, um, because we're like new pals. And yeah, so it was cool to get to hear his singing voice um, and to see him on stage was cool. Great. Um, it made me really resurface the passion I have for any time, like, <laughs> someone kind of, like, introduces a, a concept for a song, like, just before the song starts, mm. like, something like, yes, oh, have you ever noticed that uh, the, the first time that you go into a new store, everyone's kind of weird? <laughs> That's a really That's bad I'm, <laughs> I'm not getting any song from that. What about this? What about this? 
Have you noticed the price of coffee is too damn high? <laughs> These things sound like setups for jokes, not songs. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, 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 I have um, So the first time I went to to my new job at Santa's workshop, things sure were weird. There's the beginning of a song. And then to hear the beginning of like the dun 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 dun. That. <laughs> Still bad, but I get what you mean. The fi- My first it, day at Santa's workshop. Why is it always elves? Why do you always bring it back to elves? Joel ruins my Stop brain. Stop it, Joel. <laughs> oh. um, just anything, anything better, like it has to be Dicky Piano. It can't, oh, just be, sure. it can't just be any musical intro. It has to be like clunk, 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 clunk. Yeah, that's what it has to be. And that's what it was? At least one time it was that. Oh, it was just like, a, oh, I, and it really made me realize that something. Sometimes <laughs> life ain't so bad. Yes. Yeah. Clunk, 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 clunk. Oh, that's fun. That's classic. Yeah. That's a lot. So I was into that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, snarky bitch. Yeah, what? Um, did you Have you played much football? My experience with football, my father taught me... A lesson about football, which was his trick he used to play, because he grew up in the country, and mm-hmm. they all had to play football. Um, and his technique that he developed was a way of making it look like you're running for the ball while you're actually running away from it, because mm-hmm. you don't want to be anywhere near it. Nice. Because he, like me, hates football. Mm-hmm. So um, I learned that, uh, and then, like, I think once Dad tried to take me down the park to kick a football around, and it was just a crying shame for us all, because... He likes to tell the story that I was bad at kicking the ball around and just couldn't do it. But he was also bad. So it was just two idiots kicking a ball to each other that couldn't catch. Um, so that was good. Right. What an um, embarrassing father-son combo. Yes, great. We're, we're really living it up. Um, why did you play football much? Um, oh, plenty. Oh, it's one of the largest, like, most traumatic elements of my childhood. Absolutely, yes. Definitely. Like, yeah, I played a, you know, a bit in school. Um, I played... <clears throat> um, I played under-11s, then I retired. And then I oh. had to start playing again. Like, good innings. Under, Good innings, and then play like under 15s, under 16s, and Ooh, truly, that's where the scary wildly ages. upsetting. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Dark period for me quack. and my relationships with my parents. Quack, <laughs> quack, quack indeed. Quack, quack. Very dark, very quack. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, let's not get into that because that's a long therapeutic conversation. Oh, we don't unpack having. it all right now. <laughs> Do you have a favorite current AFL footballer? Yeah, um, just the hot one. Bailey. Bailey something. Bailey, what's his face? Cotton Smith. on Bailey. Bailey Smith. Bailey Smith. I saw a guy with his exact, like, moustache haircut combo on it's the catching on, and I'm so glad it is. It looks good on truly everybody. It's a good look. It's It, it looks especially good on people who have footballers' bodies. But so do, like, hats. So do, like, Yeah, exactly. Belts. Exactly. So you <laughs> add it to a footballer body. Oh. It's a version of a physical ideal. Oh, my God. I'm reading about the, the like, the nude form at the moment in oh, yeah. art. And it's just really, really fascinating. Um, just even just in the way that when they used to like make statue like personifications of like the gods, they would use athletes in order to get oh, the body. Yeah. That's how they base the physique. Um, yeah, no, I'm just learning so much. It's really, really fascinating. We love nudity. We love nudity. It's great. Mm. Um, Bailey Smith, if you're listening, reach out. Reach out. Right in. Send nudes. Send nudes to James. To me. <laughs> yeah, I. All of my reference points for footballers are like ones that I. Like, when I was, like, too young to know how to leave a living room. <laughs> and I yes. watched the footy show yes. a lot with my family. They're the only footballers that I know anything about. Oh, sure. About. Okay. I've been told that Nat Fife is on Fremantle, who is the team that I do officially go for. Oh, I go for Richmond, apparently. You go for Richmond. <laughs> Genetically, I go for Richmond. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. So. Great. Bailey Smith. Bailey Smith. Flutter, flutter. What's that? It's the sound of the butterfly club re-emerging into this 
uh, <laughs> podcast, would we? I never even thought about the Butterfly Club being like a club for butterflies. Why are you pausing like that? It's just, I guess, I don't know how to respond to that. Had you? No, I guess not either. Unless it's a big wooden club that butterflies used to bonk people with. I think it's not. You th- but you think it it's, is a club for butterflies? It's a multi-story butterfly. performance venue. Okay. In the city. <laughs> See, that was my initial understanding, but no, you've given no thought to a club for butterflies? Uh, I've thought, uh, as in a nightclub for butterflies, that sounds pretty cool. Ooh! That sounds fun, yeah. Oh my god. Like all the little I lights. Love, I would love to see that installation. Yeah. Where it's like a butterfly house, but it's like a nightclub. It's like a nightclub. I wonder if the lights would kill them. I wonder how they cope with that sort of thing. Probably not well. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should dress as butterflies. Get a bunch of us. That could be, we can do the butterfly club at butterfly club. What if we, like, overthinking it, what if it's just, like, a butterfly house... It's humid, it's bushy, it's uh-huh, all the things uh-huh, a butterfly house uh-huh. is, but instead of butterflies, it's us dressed as butterflies. Yes. And there's a bunch of us, and it's immersive. And, and you, all you do is you walk through it, and we just sort of flutter about, and then every now and again bump into you. We just act like butterflies act in a butterfly house, but we're us. And there's like 40 of us. That sounds like the people in that show would really enjoy that. <laughs> the people viewing the show, or the no. people doing the show? <laughs> the people doing the show well, would have don't a great we, time. Well, I think butterflies feel the same way about butterfly house, yes. They're having a good time, and there are people in the way. <laughs> so I went to the Butterfly Club. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> to and be clear, I, that's a venue. It's a venue, not a large wooden stick used to beat people by <laughs> insects. Thank you. Uh, and I saw Darling Boy. Oh, that sounds familiar. Doesn't it? By yes. Rupert Bevan. Rupert Bevan, no, yes. yes. Jake, you saw this a few months ago now. I did. Darling also at the Boy. Butterfly Club. Also at the Butterfly Club. Yes. Rupert um, Bevan, of course, was also in Ramona Glasgow. Yes. What yes. a shining star. What a resplendent beacon he was. Yes, a wonderful person. Quite a nice man. Um, All right, because you know him. Yeah, cause I, vaguely. Like, he's one of Flynn's friends. Mm. So I've sort of met, seen him two or three times, and he seems quite lovely every time we interact. Okay. Um, <laughs> walk in, sit down, we're probably the second row. Who's we? Flynn and I. Uh-huh. Walk in, sit down, second row. Uh, I immediately, during the show, have a coughing fit. Oh, good. Everyone loves when people do loves that. Loves Did you have water fit. with you? No. Oh? Flynn did. I had the last of his water and then ran out. Oh, God. During the and coffee. And then ran fit. out? Oh, no, ran out of the water. Oh. Like, I didn't <laughs> run out. I got to go! I Cinderella'd right out of there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they couldn't catch me. Um, I'll get to the coffee fit because it's actually, it's, it's funnier later. Okay. Um, it's not actually funny. Uh, it's a bad story. I just have nothing else to say. I'm joking. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I have never seen Rupert Bevan actually perform. Mm. I've seen Rupert Bevan, like, talk a lot. <laughs> like, 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 I've seen, I've been around him. As, I watched him ruin a dinner party. <laughs> Socially, I've seen him around. Um, so I was excited to see him perform because he's one of those people that just has a very sort of performative, sort of, I don't know, every word they say in conversation is very, it feels measured and thought out, and everything they have to say is florid and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So I was very keen to see them on stage and didn't disappoint. Loved no. it. No. Um, I. Because you said this about the show when you saw it, sitting in a room of gay men watching a sad gay show about being gay. Just like gay, gay, gay. Yeah. Um, and I found it so satisfying. This show, I don't know how Rupert's done it. He's managed to nail down, and I think you said similar things, like the very odd experience of growing up gay in Australia and and the journeys you go on to, like, I don't know straight nightclubs with women and Mm. being sort of cast aside and not really being there for yourself and seeing how your girlfriends are sort of the eye of everyone's desire and you don't really have that. And that sort of awful feeling of, God, I wish I had that, even though it comes with all this awful baggage. Mm. Um, Which 
Yeah, Rupert managed to sort of just get across so... In a way that I think I've seen attempted many times and not really nailed down correctly. Sure. Like, it's all... I, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of shows about, like, how hard it is to grow up and be gay and, like, my gay story is this in a way that sort of does feel a bit like, okay, and, like, what is the, what is the point of it all? Like, sure. what are you trying to say with this? And Rupert's journey... I'm not, I'm not sure if I imagine it was autobiographical, but the journey that he sort of goes on and all the little threads he pulls together from, like, going out to those straight clubs with those women, um, from the story that... Tragic story he tells about his first gay crush that he sort of has and, like, they sort of have, like, a wonderful night together in, like, their bedroom one night and then years later he sees him and he's become this sort of dude bro version of a gay man that is sort of essentially heteronormative in every other way, but has sort of just succumbed to that because it's clearly easier. Mm. And then he goes to that bar with him. And he goes to that bar with him, and it's just so depressing because he got dressed up for it, and he thought he was going to hang out with this boy. Mm. Um, Like, just so many elements of it that feel so relatable, and, like, I've experienced them, and to see them on stage just by this really talented performer just felt so validating. For you? Yeah. Which what did it validate for you? I don't know. Just like those, exper- like I've done that, ex- like I've had that experience of like seeing people you have been obsessed with at an early age and just seeing them sort of be not, I don't know, corrupted sounds too strong, but like just changed as they grow up by the sort of people they hang around. They hang around more straight crowds. They become a more straight acting person mm-hmm. and it's so hard for you to relate to them anymore. And that sort of magic's gone mm. or even just like the things of, yeah, watching your girlfriends have a good night and realizing that. There's no one at this party that you're ever going to really be able to connect with in the way that they're connecting with every guy around just by looking at them. And just little things like that that individually are like little sad strings in this great big tapestry of just like the depressing reality of sometimes being gay is being on the outside forever. Yeah. Of like the mainstream and the status quo. And then you add to that the, the story that Rupert tells of his like family life and growing up with you know, the family issues that he had. Um, and, and watching him try and navigate it all, I don't know, it just really got me. I really, really li- I really liked it. First of all, incredible stamina Rupert has. One man show for a full hour on stage the whole time. He's dancing, he's moving about, he's whipping and zipping. He's got stamina. I don't have that much stamina. No do you have that much stamina? That you do. Okay, well, <laughs> well, I was in that show with Joel for an hour and a half. Nothing... Yeah, but you weren't very good, were you? That's uh, true. Yeah, no. You were great. We know you were. Whatever. Very good. No, let's not talk about me. Um, sure. Well, I think even just to backtrack a little bit to the thing you said about the sad tapestry of everything. <laughs> um, mm. Well, yeah, that, that adds such a tragedy too, which I think the play also touches on. Um, the thing of like, yeah, it's devastating that we are like relegated to kind of the sidelines of sitting outside of mm. general populations when it comes to socializing. Yeah. And it then that makes it all the more devastating when you look at the state of like the gay community today mm. and for that not to be a more pleasant, nourishing environment for someone to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, yeah, you're right. It's still like, it's not that we vicious have, like, cunt. Yeah. Well, yeah, we haven't really developed like a healthy, nourishing alternative. Mm. Not, not that you can only exist in one or the other, but it's a shame that there isn't like a, not that you even get to automatically belong to the queer community by virtue of being queer. Yes. You know? So yeah. it's like, it's still a thing you have to opt into. Um, but yeah, but again, th- there's a lot of binary going on in this conversation. So Yes, there is. Yeah. Um, but, but also, 
What's wrong? Is there hair in your mouth? There was a hair in my mouth. (laughs) Don't drink the coffee at Jake's place, guys. The hair's everywhere. There's no hair in my coffee. Go on, Jake. Um, <laughs> but also, too, I think it's it's it is nice to see, and and this is this is it's not, and this is why it was nice to me individually, just to see a story of I don't know, and this is going to sound bizarre, like dumb, but just a cis gay guy growing up as a cis gay guy, like that is that was my experience. That's what I grew up trying to understand, and to see that story. I, I just quite enjoyed it. And to see it told well sure. is, is the thing. To see it done very well by a very talented performer was really, really nice because it was one of the times I've sort of seen me really reflected on stage, mm. which I, I don't know, I just find quite novel. Is there a specific part of you that you saw illuminated that you hadn't witnessed in a long time or ever? Definitely a lot of my early gay life, mm. which is what the show was about. Like It was a lot of, like I don't know, the fleeting sort of your first time at a gay club or like you're sort of navigating the dance floor to sort of try and see if you can hook up with a guy and not knowing whether you should because you haven't really hooked up with any guys before but you want to like these sorts of little things and like I think I think I'm quite caught up on that story of the the watching your gay love sort of become this straight acting nightmare is something that I've had happen to me a few times in the past mm. and it's just it is this is a special world of quiet sadness where it's just like oh you because you never were like this Mm. but clearly something has happened or you've just grown up in a world where that wasn't allowed Mm. or that wasn't encouraged and so you developed into this sort of i don't know stock market talking football playing bastard (laughs) and you you know yeah and i I don't know it just feels sad it almost feels like seeing someone's queer light being snuffed out a little bit. Sure. And it's, it's like you said, it's the, the the gay world in particular is full of these sort of wannabe heteronormative men who just refuse to sort of embrace the real queer element of the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, just I don't know, that bit just really got me. Is what I have to say in response to that question. <laughs> sure, no, that's Which a fun response. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, and it's just, yeah, I'm just, my mind is circling just around the thing you're saying about growing into something. But I guess we're never done growing into things, and I know there is a point that we get to where things things tend to stagnate a bit. Um, and it is a shame to think that people, which seems to be the case, I guess, for, in a lot of cases, you kind of have your, like, teens and early 20s to kind of, like, kind of settle on a shape that you want your inner self to be and mm. then it kind of hardens a bit. But, you know, you can always you can always soften up again and change into something else. You can, but I think it's especially tragic when you had a connection to what they were before. Yes. And then they change. And it's like, it's not bad, it's just yeah. sad. And, uh, and of course, too, it's not, yeah, not about them. No, it's not bad. So They're clearly having a good time. Well, they're having a time, aren't they? Well, that's <laughs> the thing. You've got to wonder how much of it is. Yeah, yeah. That, that bit really stuck out to me. No, of course. Yeah. No. God, um, no, oh God, no, anything, I've just been thinking a little bit lately about the thing of like, no one has anyone else forever. And, yes, yeah. And those things where it's like you have a connection with someone and then they go away and then when they come back, there's someone else. They're and different. It's like, and it's, and it's, there's a finality to the fact of like, oh, who they were, which is always the case. Mm. Like you say goodbye to someone and you see them again a month later, they are a different person, even minutely. Mm. But for them to return and be someone entirely different and you know there's no getting that old person back. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it is crushing. Yeah. It's real sad. Um, and I think it was just the way he told the story as well. Like he has this 
he calls his mum and is like, oh, I fucked up. I, I put on my nice shoes and I thought we were going to go. It's just, he fi- like finally like opens up and tells her, that, like, I was just going to go on a date with a guy and it didn't work and I'm just feeling sad about it. And it just was so sad. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, it's that's classic growing up as a young person in any world. Is all, You're always full of like those little young heartbreaks and things. And I think just seeing that sort of heartbreak told as a, as a gay man, to a gay man, it just it felt nice. Mm. Yeah, and there really was a nice sense in the audience of like this is a special like story being told by someone authentically, just sharing his truth. And I think it's like you say, if everyone has to get up and make a cabaret and make one person show about which their they life, should. which they should, Rupert Bevan has nailed it. Like that, I, I just feel like I know him a lot better having seen that show. Oh sure, yeah. Um, my coughing fit did occur during a very very sad monologue he was giving. Um, <laughs> Which I, which... Were you booed? I was not booed. Um, but I was very... I, I won't say what it was because it's a plot point. But mm-hmm. it was a very sad moment of reveal. Very silent. Stifled with... <coughs> the whole time. So, Rupert, if that, if you heard that, I'm really sorry. But it was me. I did it. <laughs> it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Oh, my God. From Tay-Tay. Oh, my God. Midnights. Yes, the underwhelming album that is. Yes. Flynn, I love it. Flynn loves Taylor Swift. And he would hate it if I said that I didn't like her. So I like her. James. Yeah. Are you aware there's a pride center? I am the corporate physical manifestation of queer pride. Yes. Yes. Very brutalist in appearance. I love the look. It's really beautiful. It's a beautiful building. I'm a slut for brutalism. The Pride Centre in St. Kilda we're talking about. Yes. Um, On Fitzroy Street. You're a slut for brutalism. Same. (laughs) Treat me brutally. Do you know... Oh, oh, you're talking about lower I know the architecture, yes. But you're talking more so about... I'm talking about, yes, being brutal and rough. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. (laughs) No, it was pretty highbrow. That was good. Go on. Um, (laughs) Slut for brutalism, you were saying. (laughs) That's me. It's me. It's me. Um, We were singing singing Wicked before this. (laughs) And currently. (laughs) Popular. I went to the, the Pride, Pride Center. Center. Yeah, um, and then I w- so I went. <laughs> I went with Sebastiano. I don't know if you know that I know Who him. Who the fuck, Sebastiano? And we went. To, um, it's it's me. <laughs> God, that musical's that long musical's so and long. boring. My God, That's some great moments though. Act one is so dull. Yeah, but she's a witch. Yeah, that doesn't carry me through. Uh, oh well, my God, no, I will. Fucking wicked. The, um. Anyway, went with some Italian guy to see an unknown song by Kevin McGreal. Oh, I hope Pride. they find out the name. I never, <laughs> never been to a show at the Pride Center before. Yeah, I didn't realize they had show places in there. They have a show place. It's like it has the five. So we go in there. Good. Um, and we go in. We sit at the front, and it's kind of. It doesn't necessarily feel like a theater. It feels more like a place where you could give like a cool seminar to about eighty people. Okay. There's a stage and everything, and there are wings, and there's a spot to plonk a tech person, um, but it kind of has the vibe of like, you know when they do those like, off-the-beaten-track TED Talks? You know the ones that aren't like in the big yes. TED arenas? Okay, yes, yes, They're yes. more in just like, TED arena. a conference space, where it's like, I'm also doing a TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, but we don't care much about you. Yes. yes. One of those kinds of spaces. Okay, I get it, I get Very it. nice, but yeah, yeah. Good for corporate gay meetings. Yes, <laughs> which I'd love to be at. They sound very dark. Quack, 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 quack. 
um, I don't know what gay meetings would be. I don't know why that <laughs> developed into that. I think it was did. your eyebrows convinced me that a gay meeting must be villainous. Oh, absolutely. Oh. It's the agenda. <laughs> the, the gay agenda. The gay agenda. You know, quite, quite. Got to keep on top of it. Yes. <laughs> um, or the bottom of it. Yeah! There's only two. <laughs> only two. Yes. <laughs> so we went. <laughs> to watch an unknown song by Kevin McGreal. Okay, get to um, it. Yeah, so he started the show, me and Sebastiano were at the front. Great. The show begins, he comes out, he starts telling a story. He has a very, like, he's the writer and the actor of the show. Cool. Um, and he starts telling this story. And it's about how he, being um, around 50-ish, um, it's the beach one day, and he sees a beautiful 20-something-year-old guy, mm. and then it's sort of, like, immediately taken by him, and they kind of strike up this, like, friendly, romantic kind of connection with each other. Um, and then develops complexities along the way. Um, so, okay. it's, yeah. I'm in. Um, there was a, a question that was posed. You're in. There, in. there was a question that was posed at one point and that I'm posing to you now is, how do you know when you're lonely? Did, it, did the show answer this question in its own way? How does that affect your answer, James? Oh, God. Okay. How do you know? <laughs> Stop looking for cheats. How do you know? <laughs> what did he say? I'll see if I agree with him. <laughs> do you have an answer? Um, how do you know when you're lonely? Is that yes. the question? Um, a, a female character in the play asked Kevin this. How do you know when you're lonely? I guess you know you're lonely. Well, how do you know when you're lonely? Me, you personally, James. James. Oh, God. When I... Oh... How do I know when I'm lonely? I know I'm lonely when people that... Friends, friends of mine are hanging out and I don't know about it. Like, all my friends are hanging out and I don't know what's going on. Which is happening a lot more recently. Because of your nature. Because I'm just I'm a secluded person these days. But how does that tell you that you're lonely? Because I'm not seeing my friends. Wait, so to you, loneliness just means you not being where your friends are. Is that how you're defining lonely? I guess that is how I'm... De- why am I... De- I de- uh... Is lonely a thing that you feel? Yeah. That just doesn't make it sound like you feel loneliness. It just makes it... It seems like... You've asked me a question and now you're no, picking no, apart my answer. Well, yeah, no, because I'm trying to understand you. you I don't feel loneliness? Feel... What do you mean? Well, for that to be your answer is in- interesting in the way it's like... You only feel lonely when there's something going on that you're not at. No, otherwise I'm loving my life. I don't like being around people. So you you don't know you can't relate to that feeling that people have when they're like there's just like a, like a, kind of like a hungry emptiness inside them where they feel like they haven't felt the touch of a person's compassion in quite some time. I mean, I'm you don't feel like romantically isolated. Sa- I'm in a very satisfying relationship, but you don't recall the experience of loneliness. Um, I do recall the experience. I thought you meant right now. What like no? Well, no, Jim, like, <laughs> but well, your examples of feeling and none of these are incorrect. I'm finding this is very interesting. Okay, to me. all right. You only feel lonely when something's going on that you aren't at and you wish you were at that thing with those I think people. that's when I recognise that I feel loneliest. Okay. I think. Like, if, uh, yeah, like, when I when there's things going on that I would like to be a part of. Wait, so, is loneliness very similar to being left out? To me, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, like I said, like, I've got, like, I've got very good relationship with my my parents like I've got a very good relationship with my partner like I've got I've got my support network like I, I don't feel super lonely I can feel isolated uh-huh um, but I don't feel super lonely uh-huh uh, just so that's why when I see people having fun and doing things and because I have been more isolated and secluded recently just because of the way I've been behaving uh. I feel sort of a big spiral of 
Why aren't I there? Oh, it's because you're a fucking moron that isolated yourself. But they should have invited you. Why should they have invited you? You don't reach out to them. That spiral I go down quite a lot. Okay. Yeah. That's loneliness to me. Maybe depression. Sure. So loneliness is also partially like a shame related to the fact that maybe you're yes. under, like, undermining your own social efforts. Absolutely, yes. Okay. I think my loneliness that I feel comes from an anger of it being self-inflicted as well. Yes. Okay, so loneliness, loneliness is a thing that you notice, and then you have peripheral feelings to that loneliness. I guess so. God. We're on to our third recording here. I'm, I don't know what my brain's saying right now. Huh. How do you feel lonely? How do you feel, how do you know when you're lonely? Oh, it's like, mm, I know I'm lonely. When you're awake. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why it wasn't ready for you to ask the question. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Um... I, I guess it's a, like I don't know like a uh, I guess like a like a heavy internal misery that I feel like it wouldn't be remedied by the closeness of another person even though it should be remedied by that I think it's like God is that loneliness I it's a description of it that I've come up with just now I yeah. think it's like the feeling that when I think of being touched by someone I think it's purely theoretical Oh, goodness. I think. Okay. The sort of thing where it... I guess, like a grim... It'd be like... Oh, my God. Somehow it has managed to tie itself to the idea of, like, what if all notable intimacies that I'm to experience have already occurred? (laughs) Jay. Which is not a thing that I think is true. But I think when I think of loneliness, I think they're the thoughts that, that circulate. Okay. I'd say. So just terrifying thoughts of... Never being touched again. It's <laughs> something Which like that. Which is terrifying. Something like that, or even just the sense of like not no longer being the sort of person that can appreciate touch or something, you know. And t- touch as like a concept. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Something huh. like that, I guess. Did this show have a, a more concise answer? Well, than no. This, the show itself didn't super dwell on these themes necessarily. It was a thing that came up, but it right. wasn't necessarily about that. It was more about this. What I consider, I don't know if you do. I certainly consider that it be something quite quintessential about the tale of an older or a lonelier sort of like gay man who sees a young, beautiful man and mm. there's some sort of entanglement or something that gets illuminated like in a very like Death in Venice style kind of, who is that? That's fucked me up. I have to rethink yeah. everything in my life kind of thing. Like yeah. one of those like asteroids of a person that's just like, God, this beauty has yeah. sent shockwaves through everything Knocked that I want. my axis. Yes. That's a, that, that is a very Jake Stewart play. <laughs> Well, it is. It's a very Jake Stewart play. Sure. It's a very Jake Stewart experience. You know? Yes. <laughs> the ice cream man at the shop we walked past. You were left... We walked past two men on one of those scooters, electric scooters, oh. and one of them had their arms around the other one, and Jake was beside himself. I had to stop walking. You had to stop. They were like like 18 years old. It was like these two young men riding a scooter together, and one of them was just, just had his little arms around the other one like they were like on the back of a horse or yeah. something. Yeah. And it just seemed like they were friends with each other. It was so nice. <laughs> How do you survive a day-to-day life? <laughs> Many would say I don't. Okay, right. I, good God. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> see, Sorry we, to bring that up, it would have knocked you out again. Uh, um, anyway. There's a, so you don't experience that type of overwhelm. He's shaking his head while vaping. No. Um, <laughs> thank you, Jake. Um... That sort of overwhelm... No, not really. Do you mean the overwhelm of seeing, like, 
beautiful oh, lovely No, kid. I have to stop. I'll get overwhelmed. Actually, <laughs> actually, no. What am I saying? Yes, I, I do. And I did. And I have. With Flynn. Like, I have had that. Sure. I've just, I guess, I'm now at a point where I feel less, like, overwhelmed and annihilated every time I see him. And it's more of a, it's developed into a wholesome sort of, oh, this is a part of my life now. Wait, so the first time you saw Flynn... There was a moment of tremendous overwhelm. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I broke. I was. I was a broken person. Yeah. I was absolutely besotten beside myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like I said, that has now developed into a much more manageable glow, more than like a blinding supernova. Correct. Um, which is good, I think, because I would not function day to day if I still reacted the same way as I used to. Sure. Yeah. Correct. That's good. Thanks. <laughs> um, there was also no, like another line in the play that I thought was nice. Um, he said that reality destroys our dreams. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't meant to sound so... Whatever that was. Um, that's a really nice line. It's, yeah, it's something. I definitely had the thing of like, he got up there, started talking, started telling the story. I was very ready for like a second actor to walk in. Never happened. <laughs> oh that's not great. <laughs> That's just the thing that happened. I remember after when I was talking to Sebastiano afterwards, one of the things that I said was I really wanted to meet more people just and because I enjoyed the world that Kevin was constructing yeah. and I wanted to hear more voices from it. Did other people feel the same? Were more people on this more people train? Um, I, well, Sebastiano was, but it was just the two of us. As in like he had also had the same thought? Or yes. Agree- okay, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. What do you think suggested the vibe that there would be another person walking on? I guess just my optimism. I, did, oh, I think okay. I was just like, keen to hear more... Because I wanted to get deeper into this world, and there's a limit yeah. to how far one person can take you in. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Okay. How did the relationship end up? Can't tell you. <gasps> they both die. Hello. Um. Hi. Hi. Um. My name is James. Hello, James. I saw a show. Hello, James. And I want to talk about it. Hello, James. Hello. <laughs> um. I saw Puppycock. Oh. <laughs> did you say that like that? Shit's Creek woman on purpose? No, I've Great. never seen Shit's Creek. Great. Mm, I know that I people tell me that I would like it. Oh god, that's almost an that's insult. That's a boring thing to hear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, you'd love this show. Shut up. I yeah. don't. There's a woman with a wig in this show. You'll love her. It's like, okay, sure. Um, I can t- I can do an impression of her based on what I've heard people do. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm here where I currently am. That's it. That's all I've got. <laughs> Darling, I've got my wig. Is that good? Am I doing it? Damn, that's I've seen it. the show and I barely know. Sure, that's <laughs> it. That's what she's like. My name's Moira, I think. Yes. Great. Um, anywho, <clears throat> so uh, Poppycock is by Six Inches Uncut. Yes. A drag, self-described drag disaster, which I think is terrific. Um, Great. Sorry, you're just staring at me intently for that's some That's called reason. listening, you dipshit. <laughs> you're bad at it. I went... <laughs> I went to school with this person. You went to school? <laughs> yes. Did ya? My undergraduate degree. Okay, yes. We did a Bachelor of Performing Arts together. Yes, you did. So full disclosure, uh, Jack and I both know uh, Six very well um, and um, have worked with them in the past. Uh, so just take that into account. <laughs> <laughs> if you want. Uh, yeah, so yeah. P- p- Poppycock. It was, it's just, I have wanted to see a show like this for a long time. A show like this. Since like... COVID has started, there has been a hole inside of me that only six inches uncut could fill. Caused by COVID? Not quite, well, potentially caused by COVID. It was the loss of the grimy little cabaret, you know? Mm -hmm. Like the 
packed in little crowd watching someone do like a one person cabaret show. Mm. I just missed it. And this for me, this the style of 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 drag and performance that Six Inches Uncut does is so quintessentially like like it's queer fun nightmarish cabaret like boring people would look at it and go oh they could be the MC from cabaret mm-hmm. you know like that sort of vibe yep. um boring people including me because Jack would make a great a great cabaret MC great um yeah anywho uh so wander in and the set is no <laughs> it's not a woman named Wanda <laughs> move <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I wandered my way in, uh, sat on down, and it's upstairs at Butterfly Club. Mm-hmm. And the, the set is straight away very distressing. Okay. Uh, it is just this horrifying collection of little dolls with creepy little grotesque faces and wrong arms. It's like if that kid from Toy Story grew up to be like an art student. Yeah. That's what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. They're all creepy little disgusting clowns, which sets the tone really well for when Six Inches Uncut emerges in this... Bizarre, ridiculous, magnificent patchwork of a creation of an outfit that um, another friend of uh, that I know, Clara Elizabeth, who Jack lives with, um, made all the costumes, made a lot of the costumes and a lot of this set work, and uh, has done an incredible job because it's just this really detailed, beautiful, colourful. Um, I almost want to say like clown sack, like it's just great. Great. Uh, and Jack comes out and does this. Terrific. The first thing they do when they walk out is this terrific smut poem. That, that they do a lot of smut poetry, and I really love it. And this one was a twist on. Um, is it is it Nevermore? What's the name of the poem? The Raven. The Raven. Yeah. Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the. <laughs> You didn't, Edgar Allan, no. Oh, oh. you Edgar Allan didn't. <laughs> I sure Edgar Allan did. <laughs> Go ahead. I think I shall. Um, <laughs> let's move on from that. Uh, so, 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 Jake just tried to poke me in the eye with a pen. You can't see it, but it happened. Um, so this one was, instead of the raven, it was the torso. So it was like, being it's just a classic, like being on Grinder late at night, Kind of horny, kind of bored, trying to find someone to have sex with and talking to this torso, which in your heart of hearts, you know is a bot, but you're still sort of like, I need someone to talk to and someone to have sex with. So you spend like hours upon hours just in this conversation, which only ever, quoth the torso, NM, you? (laughs) Like just constantly. And so Six Inches Uncut just gets more and more exasperated going through this pantomime of trying to get this robot to reply with something sexual and the whole time that is getting more and more worked up and the the sunlight is breaking and they're still talking to this butt um and i just thought it was a really strong open cool uh and i they've done a lot of smart poetry in the past and i i i love it when they do uh the show progresses and yeah it's just it's a collection of silly bits little songs um there is a ukulele present um, there's a larger guitar thing present. You know when there's like a baby guitar that isn't a guitar, but it's not a ukulele? It's like one of those mid-sized guitars. Yes, what are they called? Mid-guitars? Is Mid- that a real guess? I don't know. That's that's my guess. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that was present. Me? Mm-hmm. I've seen Six Inches Uncut do a lot of like um, emceeing, like being the showrunner of a variety night or being the one of the acts in a variety night. Mm. So to see them do their own show again is very like, it feels a little more like 
the grimy cabaret world of Melbourne is healing to me. <laughs> which sounds which sounds stupid to say. No, but that's it's, how it feels. That's, that's how it feels. If I was uh, watching this show and watching them do their stuff, and it just felt like the theatre world was blossoming again on every branch. Like it's just it's just nice to see it come back. Where did you develop this fondness for dirty, like filthy theatre? I used to I used to be obsessed with, like you know. Well, I used to do the Rocky Horror Shadow cast mm. at the Astor Theatre, and I used to hang around with a lot of people like Six Inches Uncut and, and creatives of similar vein who were all in that sort of cabaret, burlesque, vaudeville sort of vibe. So I've always had a bit of a soft spot for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always particularly loved what Six Inches Uncut does. Um because what's your connect? You're not the biggest fan of this style of cabaret, are you? It's not. It's not. Not something that necessarily floats your boat. Um, oh, I like anything like dirty and small and rickety mm. for sure. Those qualities all really interest me. No, anything I, I, in like a general policy for me is like the like the the messier and dirtier and weirder the better. Then this show sounds like it would have been for you. So just to end on something that I really enjoyed about the show in particular. Um, after all the smut poetry and offbeat characters and plain ridiculousness, um, they sort of took it down a notch and ended on this really beautiful note of just join in, you'll know the song. If you want to join in, you can. And then they did a cover of, um, what's, uh, I think it's called Bloody Motherfucking Asshole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is it from, what? it's from, it was in something that you watched. Meryl Streep was in it, she screamed. Oh, fucking uh, Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did a cover of that song and it's just being, it just felt very connected with like, with Flynn there and, and people that I sort of knew around the place there and then Six Inches Uncut on stage just singing about how tough it's been the past few years and just how everything's a bit fucked and it's just nice to be able to shout you bloody motherfucking asshole. It just, I don't know, felt really, really wholesome in a way, hmm. which I don't think I expected any part of the show to be. Sure. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so that was just a, yeah, kudos to you, Six Inches. Um, this is, this has been Praise Dionysus. Yeah, still is. Praise him. Praise him quite. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much for being here, sweet, sweet listener. Um, hope your day's going great. Or night, who knows? Not me. Not I, d- me. I don't. I wish I did. I wish I was there with you. Oh. <laughs> I miss you. Um, great, okay. Cool. Um, great. We you. can stop saying cool and great, maybe. <laughs> uh, listen in. We're going to be releasing episodes, and you can listen to them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to maintain that work, yeah. Yes. Uh, great. Yeah, we're almost. We're almost. Yeah, we're nearing the end of this whole fringe marathon. So fringe, fringe, fringe nation, fr- fringe. Sarah Michelle. Defcon. Defcon fringe. You can't say Defcon fringe with the current state of Kanye West's anti-Semitism. Kanye fringe. <laughs> You're right. You came there through with the guns in the end. Nailed it, didn't I? <laughs> great. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah. I, I get. We may already disagree with everything we just said. Yes. Friends don't let friends become theater critics. Hard fact. Hard fact. And great. follow us on Instagram. Send us an email. Write in if you've got a show on coming up. Yeah, let us God. know about it. Yes. If you are doing something, invite us to it. We'd love to come and see it and then talk about it. Just talk a bunch of stuff about it. We'll say so many words. We'll just give a gab. Yeah. Give a gabby gabby. Give a gab. Isn't it jibber jab? <laughs> I don't know who polices these things. Me. You've <laughs> got a gun to your head. Oh, you God. said it wrong. <laughs> the penalty's death. Oh, no. <laughs> Not death. <laughs>